and that's something that I want to talk about this afternoon is that work that God has called us to do. You know, it, at times it's hard. At times it's hard to do some of the things that God has called us to do. And I think of passages like this here with Moses. What we see in this passage, God appearing before Moses in the burning bush, as we, all, we probably remember that very well from our childhoods and from studying that in maybe Bible class. Maybe we've seen a, this in a movie of some sort. And this is a popular, popular uh, story that, that is, is told to those inside and outside the church, the burning bush and God appearing. But what God does here is he gives Moses a job. He, has, he gives him a calling calls him to a task. He says, lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. This is what I want you to do, Moses. The children of Israel are in Egyptian bondage, and I want you to go and to lead them out. And you would think that a voice calling from the midst of a burning bush, that would just be all the, the, uh, the push that Moses needed to, to get him set down this track. You know, uh, this flaming bush that it burns, but it's not burned up. A voice comes out of it, says, I am God. The land you, or the ground you stand on is holy. Remove your sandals. I want you to do this work. You would think that Moses would be like, well, let's get to work. This is the God, uh, the, the God of our fathers. I'm ready to get to work. That's not what he does. That's not the, the response that Moses has. I find it interesting, Moses' response here, and that's what we're going to study this afternoon, are Moses' four excuses. Moses' four excuses that he gives the Lord as to why he cannot do what he has asked him to do. We are told, uh, and the reason I want to study this is because today we do have this same sort of calling. We have something that God has desired for us to do. He's, he sets something aside from us and says, this is what I would like for you to do. No, it's not go to a country and, and call people out of a physical bondage. Uh, we're, we're not called to do something, um, something quite like that, but we are called to go into the world and call the world out of a spiritual bondage, a bondage of sin. We see that in Mark 16, verse 15, when we read that we are to go into all the world and, and teach all the creation the gospel. But too often, we, like Moses, we make excuses Excuses why we can't do that. Do we read in our scripture, as we've just read in our scripture, reading God has called Moses now to this, to this, this job, this important task at hand, and I want to focus now on these four excuses that Moses gives. The first excuse that Moses gives uh, uh, to the Lord is, who am I? Who am I? We find this in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 11, right where we left off. Exodus chapter 3, verse 11, it says, But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Now we might think back for a second about Moses. At one point, he was a member of the ruling house of Egypt. He, he was a, a prince of Egypt by relationship. His, his, his mother, his father, were, were the, the king, the, the Pharaoh, uh, his brother is going to surpass him. So, so at one point, he is this really high-ranking ruler of Egypt. But look at him now. Forty years after leaving Egypt, he is a lowly shepherd. In fact, it says that he left Egypt when he was 40 years old. That makes him 80 years old now, which most, uh, most scholars think that that was probably about the peak life range of most people at that time. Their, their life expectancy was somewhere around here, if not even a little bit below 80 so, so he's kind of, he, he's pretty far up there in, in his years, and he's probably thinking, am I really who you want to do this? 
Am I the one you want to go back in here and to free the, the children of Israel? Uh, who am I, Lord? Th- th- obviously, I-, I-, I am not the person for this job, but God's response to this was quick. And it should have been the end of it. He says in verse 12, God responds to him and says, uh, So he said, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. God said, I will be with you. It's not just about who you are, Moses. I will be with you. And Moses was right. On his, on his own, all by himself, he's completely insufficient for this work. But together with God, he has everything he needs for what God has called him to do. In fact, Romans 8.31 will tell us later that if God is for us, who can possibly stand against us? So, so we see that this wasn't a very good excuse for Moses to use, but he used it nonetheless, and the same is true today. So many people today use the same excuse, and they say, well, I don't think that I am, am maybe good enough. I think I'm insufficient to tell others about the gospel, to preach unto others Christ, and by ourselves, that's absolutely true. By ourselves, we are insufficient. But look with me over in 2 Corinthians. Turn to 2 Corinthians and look in chapter 3. Second Corinthians chapter 3 and start reading in verse 5. It says, now that we are sufficient, or not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Paul is saying that we, we aren't sufficient by ourselves, but God makes us sufficient for the work that He has called us to do. I mean, we need not look no, any farther than just the apostles. The apostles who were uneducated, some of, some of which, they were untrained, they were fishermen. But yet these men went all around the world spreading the gospel. In fact, it was said of them that they turned the world upside down spreading the gospel. God provides for us the sufficiency we need, and He has provided for us the same promise that He gave Moses. He said, I will be with you, Moses. Jesus in Matthew 28, 20 said, I will be with you. He said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And with a promise like that, it's no wonder why it was recorded for us in Philippians 4.13 that I can do all things through Christ. Now, as will be apparent later, any excuse for not doing what, what God has called for us to do is simply a, a smokescreen, if you will. It's, it's, a, it's something to divert attention away from us. And that's exactly what Moses is doing here. He's wanting to divert attention away from himself and from what God has called him to do. But something is very evident to me here about, about Moses, and that's he's extremely persistent. Extremely persistent in these excuses that he keeps giving up. And I find it interesting that the same persistence that he used in making these excuses comes to play in later when he has to be extremely persistent with Pharaoh. Sometimes we, we don't see and we don't understand why God could see something in us. But God was able to use Moses in such a way as we will later see, to free his children. But either way, we also see Moses at this point when God has answered his first excuse. Who am I? Don't worry about who you are. I'm with you. He says, well, what shall I say? What am I going to say here? In Exodus 3 and verse 13, 
we read this excuse. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? So now he knows, <clears throat> excuse me, Moses knew that they might have questions. Moses knows if, if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to go back and I'm going to go back to Egypt and try to bring these people out of Egypt, they're going to have questions for me. Maybe they're going to have questions like, as he said here, who is this God that you claim has sent you? Or maybe they're going to have questions like, Moses, this has been our home for over 400 years. Yeah, it's not, it's not the best, and, and there's certainly problems with it, but why would we leave? This is, this is our home. And again, we see God's response is quick. In the very next verse, verse 14, God says to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent you. Moreover, God said to Moses, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. God tells Moses, this is what you are to say. God tells Moses exactly what he needs to say in those words, thus you shall say. And so likewise, sometimes we look on Moses and we make the same excuse that he makes. I just, I don't know what to say. We try to excuse ourselves for saying anything because we say my knowledge is inadequate. I don't know what to say to people when, when I have the opportunities to spread the gospel to them. But just like Moses, God has told us what to say. Look over, as we said, Mark 16. And that's that, that passage where we see the calling that we have. But in the same passage... Later on in Mark 16, verse 16, we read verse 15 a minute ago. But Mark 16, 16, this is what we are to say. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. And he who does not believe will be condemned. So that's simple. But you know what? God's made it even simpler. 1 Corinthians 15. Flip over to 1 Corinthians 15 and look in verse 1 through 4. Paul wrote, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also to you receive, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preach to you, unless you believe in vain. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Now you might be listening. Well, that's a mouthful. I don't know if I can remember all that. I don't know if I can remember to say everything you just said there. Paul also said in 1 Corinthians 2, 2, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. God's given us what we need to say. We don't have the excuse of saying, What shall I say, Lord? We'll never be able to use that as a reason why we didn't say anything to someone. But again, let's turn back to Moses. Let's see that despite God instructing him that he would be with him, Despite him giving him what it is that he is to say, Moses soon finds another objection. As I said, he's very persistent. So he comes up with another objection. He says, suppose they will not believe me. What if they don't believe what I have to say? This is found in Exodus 4 and verse 1. Then Moses answered and said, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, the Lord has not appeared to you. Now he knows what to say, but he's afraid they just might not listen to him. They're not going to listen to what I have to say. And I don't really know what's going through Moses' mind right now. I read this and I wonder, is Moses afraid of failing? Has he already forgotten that God has said, I'm, I'm going to be with you 
Moses. I will be there with you as you do this. I don't really know why Moses is having such a hard time with this. But I do know that, again, just like in the other passages, God responds quickly. Comes right back to him and says, I will give you proof. You're afraid that they won't believe you? I will give you convincing proofs. The rod in your hand, as we see in verses 2 through 5. I will turn that rod into a serpent. And he demonstrates that for him. He throws it down. It turns into a serpent. He said, your hand, put it into your belt, into your bosom, and you'll bring it out leprosy, uh, filled with leprosy. We see this in verses 6 through 8. And he even says that the water, if you draw water, and they still, if all these things don't work, they still don't believe you, draw water and throw it on dry ground, and I will turn that water into blood. God so quickly is still looking to help Moses out, to give him what he needs to fulfill this command. And again, like Moses, so oftentimes we make the same uh, excuses why we will not share the gospel with others because we're afraid they might not believe us. We're afraid they might not listen to what we have to say. We have a, a fear of failure that keeps us from trying. But just like Moses, God gave us proofs. No, he hasn't given us the miraculous proofs that Moses had. We, we can't take... Uh, we can't take something and cast it on the ground and turn it into a serpent. We don't have abilities like that. But God did give us the word of God. A word that produces faith, as Romans ten seventeen says. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. He gave us these things. Or John 20, John 20 and verse 31, where, where we read that the things that were recorded, that were recorded, they were recorded so that those may believe. It says, but these have been written so that you may believe. We have evidences that, that we, can, we can readily turn to, that we need to make sure that we are, are familiarizing ourselves with. Evidences such as the resurrection of Christ. Evidences such as the fulfillment of prophecies. But one thing is absolutely certain. We cannot, we will not be able to justify inactivity in spreading the gospel by saying we, we were worried that they would not believe me. And you would think that by now, after these three excuses and these three quick responses that God has given Moses, Moses would say, okay, all right, you're going to be with me. You've told me what to say. You've given me proofs. Let's go. Let's go down to Egypt. Let's set these people free. But that's not the case. Yet again, Moses, as I said, persistent. He says, I've got another one, God. Almost as if, God, maybe you didn't think of this. Maybe you don't remember, I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue. He says this in verse 10 of chapter 4. He says, uh, oh, oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. You can almost hear it say, Lord, uh, Moses saying, God, I, I've never been a good speaker. I wasn't a good speaker back in the day. I'm not going to be a good speaker now. I can't do this. But we see that God, God was not moved by this, this call. He was not moved by this excuse. In fact, he says in verse 11, he says, Moses, I already know this. I already know you're not a good speaker. And I can make up for your shortcomings. He says, I know you because I created you. I made you how you are. I know you still have the power. You still have the ability to do what I've called you to do. But guess what? I'm going to send Aaron, your brother. I'm going to send Aaron with you. I'm going to arrange for him to be your mouthpiece. Same way some Christians today try to use this excuse, I'm just not a good speaker. 
I'm not good at it. I, 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 I sometimes forget what I want to say, or I get nervous, and so I just don't say anything. But think again, as we were just in 2 Corinthians a minute ago, think of, of Paul. Excuse me, we're going to 1 Corinthians this time. 1 Corinthians, and we're going back to chapter 2. Think of Paul and what he said to the Corinthians. In chapter 2 and in verse, in verse 2, he had just said, I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. This is what he was preaching to the Corinthians. But notice in verse 1 what he says. And I, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. But skip down to verse 3. He said, I was with you in weakness. I was with you in fear. I was with you in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. It didn't stop Paul. Even when he knew he wasn't a good speaker, it didn't stop him from making the efforts to preach the gospel. And it hasn't stopped others. I know, I know of a brother today who, who struggles with speech impediments. He has a very hard time speaking, even just in a, in a casual relationship, but especially in a stressful relationship. But it doesn't stop him from taking every opportunity he can to preach. And he may get up, and he may stammer, and he may stutter, and it may take him all day to get sentences out, but he doesn't let that stop him. He says, I, I, I still can preach. God has called me to do this. I'm going to do it. I'm going to say what needs to be said. We need to take courage from these actions. And at the very least, at the very least, if we say, no, I'm still a really bad speaker, but I know people who can speak. I know people who have the ability. I can be, I might not be Paul. I might not have that courage, but I can certainly be a Cornelius. If we remember Cornelius in Acts 10, turn over to Acts 10 and look at that. When Cornelius gathered together his friends and his family and his rel- all his relatives, it says in verse 24 of Acts 10, and the following day they entered Caesarea, and now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. And in verse 33, he says to, Paul, or he says to Peter, excuse me, So I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come now. Therefore, we are all present before God to hear the, all the things commanded you by God. We could be that Cornelius. Even if we say, I, I'm not sure if I can say what needs to be said, I know somebody that can, and I will make every opportunity for that person to have an opportunity to preach the gospel. We need to not let these excuses come in between ourselves and our call that God has given us. So we have considered these four excuses that Moses gave. But as I mentioned, these excuses were merely distractions. They were like smoke screens. The true reason, the reason behind the excuses is found in Exodus 4. Exodus 4 and 13, Moses is one excuse, or one reason, excuse me. But he said, O my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. Moses was saying is, God, please send somebody else. He said, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do what you've called me to do. Please just send someone else. Moses simply just didn't want to go. As I said before, these were all, all these excuses that he gave. They were meant to hide this fact from God. This one reason that he had, I just don't want to do it, God. And so he concocted all these excuses to say, here's why I don't want to do it. Because I, I, I'm, I don't, you know, there's somebody better than me. There's got to be somebody better than me. Or I'm not a good speaker. Or they might not believe me. I don't know what to say. All these things were meant to just hide this one fact that, God, I just really don't want to do it. 
And it's right here at this point. Once the smoke screen is removed, all the distractions are gone, and what we're left with is this relationship between man and God and defiance that God's true feelings are certainly seen. We see in, verse, in the beginning of verse 14 that he was very angry. So, so the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. But I want you to notice the next couple of verses. I want you to hear the anger in the Lord's speech that he gives to him. Notice in verses 15 through 17, the, the words that he uses when he talks to Moses. He says, now you shall speak to him. Talking about Aaron. Now you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth. And I will be with your mouth and, and with his mouth. And I will teach you what you shall do. So he shall be your spokesman to the people. And he himself shall be as a mouth for you. And you shall be to him as God. And you shall take this rod in your hands with which you shall do these signs. God's laying it out. He said, this is what I expect. This is what you will do if you are going to please me. And the same, the same is exactly true of us today. Every excuse that we have Every excuse that we give why we, we can't spread the gospel, why we didn't spread the gospel when we had the opportunity, these are all smoke screens to cover up an underlying truth. I just really, I really didn't want to do that. I really didn't want to go into that uncomfortable situation. God, I'd rather use someone else for that opportunity. I don't want to do that work. I don't want to do that. That's too hard. And when we have this attitude, we have this outright defiance against the Lord. His anger is kindled. It's kindled against us for not living up to that calling that he has given us. And brothers and sisters, I'm going to be blunt. If this, if this describes us, if this is excuses that we hear Moses giving, if we can look in our lives and we can see these same excuses as to why we didn't spread the gospel, why we won't spread the gospel, we need to repent. We need to change because that's not what God has called us to be. He has called us to be so much more than that. So much more than, than hiding back behind our excuses, but rather stepping, stepping over top of them, pushing that behind us and relying on His strength that He has promised to give us. I will be with you. Do my will. With Moses, we know the rest of the story. Like I said, he goes on. He is convinced. He goes to Egypt. He answers that call that the Lord has given him. And with the help of God, he delivers the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage. But I want to ask ourselves this afternoon, what about us? What's the rest of our story? What's that going to be? Will we heed the call that the Lord has laid before us to preach the gospel to the lost? Will we take the opportunities available to us to do so? Or will we make excuses and will we gather up and kindle the wrath of God against ourselves? The fact is, only time will tell. But I pray that we will not wait until it's too late. I pray that we will not make excuses in doing the work that the Lord has called for us to do. And possibly that call is the call to obey the gospel, the gospel of Christ. Are we making excuses not to respond in the way that we know we should? Or maybe, maybe we're making excuses as to why we're not fully giving ourselves over to Christ. Maybe on, on, on a day in the past, you did make that step and you, you 
uh, baptized yourself and you put off that old man, but maybe you've been trying your hardest for some way in life that you could resuscitate a little part of that old man that you don't, you don't want to fully give up yet. Again, I say don't wait. Don't, put off, don't make excuses as to why you're holding on to the past. Don't make excuses for not to follow the Lord fully today. Whatever your need may be, you need to act on it, and you need to act now. If there is some way that we can help you, any way at all, I ask that you would please come forward, let it be known now, as we stand and sing the song of invitation.